everybody, welcome to We've Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment from the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side. <laughs> That's like three times in a row I've got it right. I feel like I deserve a cookie. <laughs> the, uh, I'll send you one in the mail. It'll be super fresh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know what? I had a friend send me cookies from Portland for Christmas. He does this every Christmas, and they were super fresh. Well, that's—I mean, I've sent you cookies in the mail before too, but I was only sending them. I mean, I was sending them a much shorter distance. I don't know how they would last now, but we yeah. can try it. We could. Um, what I want is one of your uh, summer root beer cakes, but that's not going to hold up anyway. But um, I guess. Well, I can—I can bake you one when I visit you. How yes, about or that? I can come out to you uh, during the winter when it sucks. Um, so this one, we were trying to find some spring break episodes, and we're kind of at the beginning of spring break for college students, and then, you know, spring break's weird because it can go for, like, a month. It, I mean, not for one particular school, but any oh, difference. yeah. Because usually it's, like, the middle of March to the fir- through the first week of April is, tends to be when it is. Yeah, but it, it is, you're right, it kind of is staggered throughout, like, a, over a month period of time. Because, like, here, the spring break isn't until, I think, the second, the first or second week of April. Okay, that's kind of late, huh? Um, well, I guess, I don't know. We really couldn't find anything for spring break, so we're trying to find something that had to do with, like, trips, you know, traveling or whatever, and we found... Uh, road trip and Euro trip. Look, not top tier films. <laughs> no, not at all. For us, I feel like the last two or three episodes have been a little low level. So I think the next one we gotta kind of go a little more <laughs> respectable, maybe. Um, fun movies. I, I here's the funny thing is one was a massive hit, massive hit, which led to the other one. I'm, I'm almost assuming that's why it got greenlit. I think the second one is uh, better, even though it hardly made any money. And I assume we're talking about the one that was a hit was Road Trip, and the one that was better is Euro Trip. Yeah, um, this is during an era where Ivan Reitman had gone over to DreamWorks, and he had a production shingle there called Montecito. And back in the late 70s, early 80s, he produced films in Canada, and he's responsible for uh, Stripes and Meatballs. I believe he had a hand in Animal House... Uh, he was trying to do the National Lampoon's Second City kind of thing for our new generation. By this point, National Lampoon's isn't even really a production company. It's just a label. And did you see that post I showed of all the... Yeah. Yes, so, I definitely did. So by... not Sorry to give a little history on this if I'm wandering off the ranch a little bit. But in 89, National Lampoon decided they were going to sell off. And Tim Matheson and a friend of his bought it. And oh, I see. they only owned it for a year or two, then realized they were never going to be able to like get the movies up and run or whatever, so they sold it off again. This time, the company had sort of a hand in it. They would get a script and, and agree to it, not to agree to it, but they didn't really have anybody like from the company you know, making the movie, producing it. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was slap, like Loaded Weapon is one of theirs. Um, uh, a Senior Trip is another one. They only made like five movies total, and most of them were TV kind of stuff. And then they right. sold to another company around 2005. It was after, oh, I'm sure it was after Van Wilder had come out. Oh, and um, the new company, J2, decided, hey, if you pay us $100,000, you can put National Lampoon. And all of a sudden, everybody came out of the fucking woodwork. They didn't give a Clearly. Sh- 
I don't think they gave a shit about the movies at all, as long as they were like, well, this fit our brand. And you got really weird shit like British comedies and stuff that was literally digital only, you know, VR games. And then there's a couple smaller movies in there that were actually technically theatrically released. But I think that Ivor Ryman was looking at that and said, hey, how about we create our own kind of National Lampoon formula, you know, like the old school teen movies. And, you know, we had just had American uh, Pie, uh, American Pie come out and, and it was very successful. Um, I don't know if Road Trip was already in production at the time, but you can kind of feel like that's the next you know, level, you know, you know, going up to the college age with that kind of sensibility. This is a better movie than American Pie. Um, not by much. <laughs> it solely survives, I believe, on uh, Todd Phillips actually turning out to be a pretty fast-paced, you know, really understands comedy kind of director. And um, the cast. It really just comes down to the cast. And I don't fucking mean Tom Green. Sweet Jesus, that was a momentary thing that is not funny right now. The only reason I like anything he did is because someone uh, was able to put into a kid's movie. We talked about this before. Is Bob the Butler is our, like, I think the only thing I like with him in it. Somehow they magically honed all that weirdness into a very sweet, uh, fun children's movie for Disney. I don't know who, yeah. what they were thinking. But it's, you know, yeah, I agree. It's pretty much the only thing of his I enjoy because he's just... Exhausting. God like, damn. He, he's like the family guy thing where they, they take a joke and then they just keep repeating it and usually in a shrill, annoying way until you're supposed to find it funny because it's the 80th time they've said it. Yeah. No bueno. Yeah, and I really don't think there was a script for him. I think he just winged it through the whole no, thing. No, I just, do not think so at all. I've had the same feeling. Yeah, but what it comes down to is the core cast that goes on the, the actual road trip. And I love road trip movies. I think it's my favorite mini genre. What do you think is the first, like... I know there was the Bob Hope, Bing Crosby road trip movies of the, you know, like the 30s oh, and 40s. Oh, gosh. You know, Road to Bali and stuff like that. But then there's a whole... Oh, sure. Is National Lampoon's Vacation the first road trip movie of, like, you know, that changed everything for an era? I guess. I mean... Because I can't think of any other it, one. It, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Nah, that, that's a contest. That's a... That's a chase movie. Okay. It's because smoking no, no, the bandit. That makes sense. Yeah, smoking it's the bandit subtle, can kind of. You're seem, right. It's yeah. definitely different. You're right. Um, it's so so that formula, of course, would be repeated with like the sure thing, planes, trains, automobiles. John Hughes loved it. You know, he used it again in Dutch, and it, it seemed like increasingly over the years there was more and more road trip movies because the fun part about road trip movies is, especially for a writer, I would think, is they're vignettes packed into yes. it's like an anthology almost because. Once, once one thing gets kind of boring, well, just wait 10 minutes and you'll be on to the next adventure. I mean, I, I, one of the best ones is uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. It's just, you get to bring in actors for just little segments, you know, that really fun, yeah. interesting actors that can just do a day, you know, and then, you know, if that joke doesn't work, you, you know, you, you just wait for the next payoff. And... I think uh, we discussed Dude, Where's My Car? And that kind of has the same formula, except they don't leave town. And yet, it's still, they're almost like, yeah, they're, it's still like, it's very similar to Harold and Kumar, where it's like a quest. Yeah. But it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I've never really given it a lot of thought about, you know, the first or whatever, but um, it's a fun genre, that's or sub-genre, definitely. Yeah, and with this one, I think finally, I mean, I know Breckenmeyer had a pretty significant role in uh, Dancer Texas, but that was such a small, little, contained movie. This is a studio film, and he finally got to shine after, what, eight years? Wasn't He was in Buffy, right? Buffy? I'm pretty sure he's one of the punk kids. He only has a small role in it, but I feel like forever he was... In the movie or show? In the movie. I mean, maybe. I don't really remember. But I feel like he was was doing the work for years, just slowly building up his profile and finally getting to star in uh, a studio film. He's he's very pleasant. I see he was in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. No, we forgot. I'm looking right now. Camp Cucamonga. Clueless Craft. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's not in Buffy, so I don't know who the hell I'm thinking of. No. Um, And then Sean Everyone else. uh, What's that? Everyone else that was had a little spot in it. Yeah, um, Sean William Scott, of course, coming off of, uh, and he's only in a small part of American Pie. People forget Stifler only has like five minutes in the whole movie, but he's fucking hilarious, and he grabbed her attention, and that's how he ended up becoming like within a year, uh, almost a leading man. Um, are you confusing him with David Arquette? No, I know David Arquette. I was. I feel like there was a part okay. where they're setting up the prom or the dance or whatever it was, and there's like a two minute roll for someone. I really thought it was Breck and Meyer. Um, uh, I'll revisit. I'll figure yeah. it out, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's so funny though, because like it just seemed like almost immediately people were like Sean Williams got ca- uh, cast him in everything, and now he yeah. you hardly see him at all. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a little confusing how how that stuff works you know it's like so many people are like hot for five seconds or maybe if they're lucky five years and yet there's some people who's like it's a slow burn and they're doing great now i don't know hollywood and all that stuff is a very weird animal yeah you're your flavor of the month sometimes and i think the one guy in this who shines really strong and he never really got anything after this that like people would talk about is Paul Costanzo. I think he's fucking hilarious how laid back and chill he is compared to everybody else. Yeah, you know, he's a real interesting thing because he had a few movies around the same time. Of course, like what I really know him from is, you know, Josie and the Pussycats. Um, But, you know, he really, he took a lot of years and then he was on like... When Joey had his spinoff show, uh, Matt, Matt LeBlanc had his Joey spinoff show. I think he played his like nephew or right, something, yeah. which I never watched the show. But then, and then he had a you know fairly popular uh, show on USA um, for a lot of years. Um, that other, you know that he's a little bit known for. Royal Pains that was on for about oh, seven Oh, okay, years. I remember that show, yeah, yeah. So it's like, he's definitely had work for a long time, but I just, they're not high-profile things by any means. And the final member of our group is DJ Qualls, who, so unique. Whoever did the casting on this really cast, like, people who were fresh-faced, even if, like I said, Breckenmeyer had been around a lot, general audiences didn't know them. And it felt kind right. of nice. And I think that's the great thing about this whole era is that you got a whole generation 
of new fresh actors and they all looked somewhat like the age they're supposed to be playing unlike in the 80s Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brecken, I think, was about 26 or whatever. But for the most part, it seemed like they were like, okay, well, uh, let's try to get people who actually look like they're in high school, please. Yeah, I find, you're right, the word for him, I guess, kind of is pleasant. Like, he just seems like, you know, generally like the everyman kind of thing that is, you know, uh, not too dickish, although I don't I, I realize that we're supposed to, like, root for him in this movie, but, I mean, he, it's kind of a dick, yeah, in but my if opinion. You, yeah, it's, he fucks up, but if they had cast somebody different, you wouldn't give a shit about this trip whatsoever, so immediately it's a non-starter. Yeah. If you don't care about him, like, oh, God, I fucked up, and you root for him to go save the day, because people make mistakes. But if you, like, yeah. say, say if you switch them. Sean William Scott was the main cast member, was the main yeah. guy, or whatever. In his trip, you Fuck would not, you would not be uh, <laughs> along for the ride. You'd be like, yeah, screw him, then. Oh, who cares? Yeah. So I do think you're right that it really does matter, um, and they did they did approach it in the right way uh, with casting him. But I mean, I think my issue with this movie is again, like, I don't know that I'm really rooting for him. Because I don't really think that he's all that remorseful. No. He just doesn't want to get, in my opinion, he just doesn't want to get caught. He right. doesn't necessarily feel bad. Yeah. I can't tell. Well, it's funny is for me, halfway through the movie, I switch. Once they get DJ Qualls into the movie and he's like, yes. this, all of a sudden he is, you know, the guy you're yes. rooting for because the whole Fair trip enough. is... It's funny, it's almost like a rope-a-dope, like the way it is with Scream, where you're like, oh, Drew Barrymore, she's a star of this. Oh, no, she's not, and now we're introduced to uh, Nev Campbell. Oh, you know what? That makes sense. I can see that, because he is the real, like, you know, uh, unsung hero of, like, most of the things he does, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, there is no growth whatsoever for any of the characters except for his. Yeah. And in his journey, it's just so fun watching him kind of let loose. I mean, first, they're, they're manipulating and using him to get the car, to use his credit card and stuff like that. And he's really, like, restrained. Slowly, as the movie goes on, he starts to learn to, you know, stand up for himself, uh, to talk to girls, you know, and be outgoing and fun. And, and that's, it's really more of his movie. Yeah. Very interesting that, but it, it's also, I mean, Todd Phillips, it is sort of like, a, I mean, potentially formulaic for him to go about it in that approach because, because like in Hangover and stuff, like who has the most uh, growth and the most like, um, you know, fan favorite is like Zach Galifianakis' character, which could have been really in, in the wrong hands you know, would have been something very different. Yeah. Well, I think about old school and when, uh, you know, Will yeah. Ferrell is not the main cast member, but he's the one that has the most change. Yeah. But I, I mean, of course, that maybe the, that's the, just, yeah. there's fuck ups from, I mean, I think Todd Phillips fucked up with School for Scoundrels by casting John Heater, sweet fucking Jesus, the most irritating actor I think I've ever seen in my life. Fair enough. Yeah. And then I, I get where he's going with the Joker, 
But the fact that it's been like it's the way it was with Fight Club for me, where you completely yeah. misunderstand the points, and all of a sudden you're championing this anarchy and violence, and you're like, oh, no, 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 that's not what Todd Phillips wanted at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, it's very likely. I mean, it's not an uncommon thing that you know the message is uh, misinterpreted. <laughs> yeah, I would not be surprised with Joker too that he completely goes around everything that he set up with the first movie just to fuck with those guys and say that's not the point. This I mean, and maybe I need to just smack you in the face with it, you know? Maybe we'll yeah. see. But a really interesting director. I'm curious as to what led, uh, you know, uh, Ivan Reitman to hire this first-time director. I mean, he wrote it, but is it still like, how do you hand a $20 million movie to, you know, a fresh director? Yeah. It always surprises so me what Ivan people Reitman see. So Ivan Reitman was just the producer on this? Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, so the only things he did, I think he only did Evolution for DreamWorks as a director. He was mostly there I for see. his production shingle. And... The plan was always that, um, okay, I'm trying to remember, uh, Katzenberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, when he was at Hollywood Pictures, his plan was always like, you don't always go for home runs or you can strike out and, and lose the game. Sure. You have to go yeah. for singles and doubles. So that was their yeah. plan with uh, stuff like this. Well, yes, they had the, the Spielberg movies and the big event films and stuff like that, but they had to pad it out because not yeah. every... Not every movie could be like a sixty-plus million-dollar movie. You got to have some ten and twenty million-dollar movies. Oh, no, that would be that would be a really unwise move. Yeah. You no, know, it is it is a good approach. Yeah, there's a, there's a purpose for a bunch. Yeah, and I don't. There's not a whole lot to say about Road Trip. I mean, sometimes I feel like I should take notes, but if I can't remember certain moments, then so be it. It's not worth remembering. Yeah, and I feel like. No real scene stands out except for the scene where DJ Qualls gets drunk and he gets to like finally you know break loose. There's the incredibly yeah. bad taste scene with uh, him stealing the bus. I mean, they fucking committed a crime. <laughs> yeah, um, they did some they did some fucked up shit. My gosh. Yeah, they did some I really mean, questionable stuff, and and yeah, I, I it's hard sometimes to feel for any of them. So I think this is yeah. the, definitely the weaker of the bunch. Um, to tell you the truth, I kind of just want to talk about Eurotrip. <laughs> well, that's fine. Yeah, I will say this movie has, like, it, it has, it's not that it's, you know, it's not a complete waste of time. It's not that it isn't enjoyable to some degree, but I just, I don't know that it's aged real well. And um, there's a lot, um, it, it, it's hard for me to root for any of them, even like Brecken Meyer's character, who is just like, like he didn't even really have to apologize to anyone, and he still gets to win. Yeah, oh, I don't know. It just makes me sort of mad. And that girl, like, I mean, I like Amy Smart. I like the. I, sorry, I forget the other. Rachel Blanchard. But they're like incredibly likable, but yet still sort of um, like normal attainable kind of gals um which i really appreciate <clears throat> but like i just think they were too easy on him and that makes me kind of mad <laughs> yeah um is rachel blanchard the one that was in uh the clueless tv show yes I okay so. <laughs> sometimes i get confused on I feel like there's another girl at the same time that i get confused like she was on was rachel blanchard on psych 
No, that's Maggie Lawson, and I mm. think that the I, I when you said that about getting them confused, I was pretty sure that's who you meant. Okay. <laughs> Um, so Euro Trip is uh, obviously the one that was greenlit because this was so successful. Yes, there was a direct-to-video sequel to this that DJ Qualls makes an appearance in. There's no way, no way in the world I'm going to bother watching. It's called Beer Pong. Who gives a shit? <laughs> um, do you remember when Euro Trip worked at the theater that, uh, or was what played at the theater I worked at? Kind of. And it played I, to. I think I think I would, uh, that must be how I saw it, right? Yeah. You must have gone to see it when you were working there? It was an absolute flat-out flop. I don't know if we just had a terrible booking agent, but it seemed like every single last fucking movie we, we, we had playing on our theaters for, like, months on end were these huge, uh-huh. stinking flops. And I was like, what is going on here? How is every movie... How is Hill Doggo still on the screen? The big, big screen... Uh, I like, liked that movie. Yeah, but it was on there for six weeks. That tells you how... Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's way too long. You're right. Somebody was, like, sleeping at the wheel. Yeah. Um, and I feel like 2004 is kind of the end of that era of teen comedies. I mean, the American Pie franchise is over with. There's nothing else really coming out. Most of the stars, that kind of hit it big at first. You know, like, with She's All That and Varsity Blues, whatever. By this point, they don't have a career. Uh, what's that one where they cheat? Uh, the Perfect Score? You know, that yeah. and Euro Trip came out really close together. And I feel like that was the last gasp of this era. Well, they didn't. I mean, the one was. It's basically the heist movie thing where they tried to steal the test or whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Mean Girls was an anomaly. I mean, that made a crap ton of money, but it was also super different and a lot smarter than a lot of these movies. A lot of these movies were really just phoning it in. They had a formula they were trying to follow, which most of it, like I said, was American Pie. Yeah. This one takes, like, a mixture of the road trip, but they also throw in... I mean, this is clearly, like, either a love letter or uh, a kind of a remake of European Vacation. I mean, even, like, that song that we were talking about earlier that we played uh, privately before the show recorded or whatever, that it's from that movie, and it's also, to a montage. And I feel like a lot of they even go almost to the same exact places, right? So they go to England... France and Germany, right? Or no, do they end up in some weird like Kazakhstan or something? Where the well, Netherlands also. Um, I don't know. They're kind of all over the place, and I was going crazy because I was like, none of this makes sense geographically. Why they're going from this place to this place? Or maybe that was part of the point that they were like a hot mess because they were not taking a direct route in any way, shape, or form. No, and then, well, they got lost twice because, remember, they got drunk with the hooligans, the soccer hooligans. Yes. And they end up yes, going way true. too... Okay. Yeah, they go way too far into France when they wake up like, oh, shit. And then they have that weird communication problem with the... I'm going nowhere near Berlin and, like, he keeps saying Berlin, yes. so I'm assuming we're going to Berlin. And then they end up in some weird... I don't know what country it was. I think it was made up. Mm-hmm. But um, this one and another, like, all fresh faces, except Michelle Trachtenberg. I think she was the only one that was, you know, kind of established from being on Buffy. And I think Harriet the Spy has a following, right? I mean, she definitely did a lot of stuff, even from a young age. So, yeah, she is probably the most experienced person in this movie. At first, the first time I watched this, and this is another one of those where I watched a bunch of it because it, it was played to an empty theater, so I could just walk up there and watch it. I think I saw this about five or six times. And I just kept thinking the whole time, I didn't think Scotty was, the guy who plays him is Scott, oddly enough, also named Scott, 
Klowitz, I think. I don't know how to say his name, but I thought, oh, he's like a poor man's whatever. I was trying to think of somebody like he, you know, it, something about it didn't work. But now, since I've seen the movie so many times, I'm kind of comfortable with his kind of like laid back. I don't know. There's something unique about him that I don't see in other actors at this time. I don't know what it is. I can't pin it down. Oh, I don't know. I just remember that, like, I really, really liked that movie Peaceful Warrior that he was in. And then I don't know that I've really seen much of anything else. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I think he was in a movie called Cat Run or whatever like that, and that's about it. Uh, I really haven't seen any of these kids since this, but I thought Jacob Pitt, of all the kids, was one that was going to be the star. He's... He, well, he does have a much, he, he, you may not realize it, but he actually has a very, uh, steady career. Yeah, but I mean, like, I thought he was going to be pushed more to the forefront. Oh. Uh, more studio films, you know, as the sidekick or the lead or whatever. He's just very likable, a lot of fun, and, and he just seems like that kind of charming, you know, they always have these kind yeah. of characters. He's the Sean William yeah. Scott, I guess, of this movie. Ex- yeah, except for still more likable i don't know it's interesting looking at his credits that he really kind of took a different turn and honestly the majority of the stuff that he has done in his career was not comedy at all this was more the the anomaly so what i know him from as an adult he was in uh all five six seasons of justified and um and then he was in some other shows uh, Sneaky Pete, uh, more serious. Even his movie roles, pretty much everything else he's done in his career is a lot more serious, which is very interesting because I think that he was in the Pacific. Uh, anyway, just yeah, he is sort of the standout. It was funny after all of these years going back and being like, oh shit, that's that guy. <laughs> but. But just to see him as, like, well, like, justified, you know, it's a pretty serious, like, action uh, drama, and, like, he's, uh, you know, he's, like, a military vet who is now, you know, like, a marshal, a U.S. marshal. I don't know. He's, like, huh. not, he, he's a, a decent-sized side character to, to make the Olaf Fonts. Wow, I never, that, ever would have guessed that, because he just seems like... I know, I know. He just seems like he has that thing that uh, Ryan Reynolds yeah. had, you know, that natural yeah. charisma and likability, and yeah, and um, yeah, he's, he's sort of like a mix of Ryan Reynolds and Sean William Scott. Yeah, and I, I really yeah. like as I got older, uh, you know, I haven't seen this. I don't, God, I don't think I've seen this in almost since it came out. But uh, the oh brother, God, yeah. the brother Travis Wester, um, I really found his character amusing because he's so tightly wound, but like in a different way that like DJ Qualls was in Road Trip. He has, like, this idiosyncratic, like, um, like need for information and data or whatever. And I just, it was so much fun watching his character through the whole adventure. Like, what the fuck is going to happen next? <laughs> yeah, he was almost like, I mean, they, I don't even know if they really knew about these things at that time. But it was almost like he was, he was being, he's somebody on the spectrum. Yeah, that's all I was, was yeah. like almost hyper I mean I'm not saying you have to be on the spectrum to be this way but like hyper like focused on certain aspects of what was happening (laughs) yeah and so like Road Trip 
we, we had a few cameos in it, like Andy Deck and, and Fred Ward and stuff like that, uh, Horatio Sands. This one cranks it up a little bit more, and I think I think a lot of it has to do with, like, sometimes these movies get um, tax credits and, and cut, uh, like, you know, uh, cost cuts or whatever, oh, if, you cast yeah. people, uh-huh. if you cast people from that area. Now, this was shot in Prague, but they usually cast a lot of European actors, usually uh, British actors, whatever, so we get a lot of those... Yeah. But there is some American cameos in this, and I think almost all the cameos work, but sweet fucking Jesus, I wish Vinnie Jones was cut from the whole goddamn movie. Oh, I know. I don't know what that was about. I know you really, really, really dislike Vinnie Jones. I do. I just cannot stand. I mean, what the fuck? What did he goes? I'm the juggernaut, bitch. I was like, oh, that's like the only part I really hate about X3. An overhated movie, I think. But... I just kept trying to think. I was like, well, I guess he was a real soccer guy, and he gets it. And it's the, I do like the part where he asked him to sing, like, sing for us, whatever, and he's like, my baby takes the morning train to see yeah. the Manchester United. And he goes, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, you always, like... You know, that's a very typical, you know, comedy movie, like, ploy, and you're always just, I don't know what the word is for it, um, that you're always just like, well, fuck, this is going to go badly, and then somehow it, it always, like, changes the dynamic of the scene. Yeah. It's sort of like when in one of the best movies of all time, uh... What's the name of the movie? Was with, with <laughs> ah, the name I forgot. Um, <clears throat> with uh, Jason Lee and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, so Heartbreakers. Heartbreakers. When she's pretending to be Russian and they want her to sing a sing a song in Russian and then she sings back and they give her a I love watching <laughs> people those, sweat you know, and wiggle their way out. That, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like a common, it's not an uncommon joke in movies, and then you're just like, it always just shifts the whole dynamic of the movie, because yeah. you're just like, this should go so poorly, and yet it doesn't. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's referred to, I think it's a trope. Yeah, I, I don't, no, I don't think it's a trope, I think it just might be a ploy. Oh, okay. Um, but you know what, I'm not, I'm not completely sure about that one. The uh, so we have Lucy Lawless and <laughs> God, I love Lucy Lawless so much. Ugh. The fucking word that she gives him, and you can see in her eyes, he's like he's never gonna be be able to pronounce this right. And I, Mm-mm. I love that everything goes wrong for him. He's the sex crazed one. You think that he's gonna try to get laid, the you know, like, but it fails horribly, and everybody else gets action, <laughs> and he ends up in the sex dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and then she says, "Oh, did you say I can't remember what the word was or whatever?" And he brings out this like giant fucking like motorized. <laughs> no. Yeah. Is, is that what it's called? Like screen was a little horrifying though like oh this yeah. is, that's a lot of wieners flying at the camera <laughs> listen listen like i i don't think that i just i i that 
I am in this alone, that I would a uh, hundred times out of a hundred times rather see boobs than Wang. Yeah, well, it, it's I, so, Wang's are I so just, ugly. It's just not, it's just not enjoyable for anybody, and it's also not really funny, so no thank you. No, but I did think it was funny when they were like a zombie movie, girl, girl. Oh, that's, that's funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Of, uh, so then there's the weird scene where they uh, were, I think they're all kind of split off in their own direction. And so, yeah, so Jacob Pitt's character is in the dominatrix, but then the other guy goes into the uh, to the camera shop. And all of a sudden, he comes alive. Like, he's real sly and clever and cool, and he's flirty, just showing off the camera. <laughs> just He was in his wheelhouse. Yes, I was just like that. That that was cute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can I just say the one thing I really hate about this movie, other than all the weighing, is the, the 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 scene where they get so fucked up that they like make out with their own sibling. <laughs> I do think the reaction from the two guys while at the table, they're like, they're at first they're like jealous and pissed, like, oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. My favorite scene in this movie, which if you took it out, I think would drop it by at least 20% in enjoyment factor, is the, the robot scene. The robot fight scene, I enjoy so much. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For a second, I blinked on that. Oh, I mean, what the hell was that? But that was so funny. And, yes, I love that. And it, to this day, I will laugh like that. I will, I remember doing it at Bymart quite often. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I just wonder, like, to, in my mind, I'm like, did they think, oh my god, this would be the funniest scene in the movie, and they're like, okay, now we have to write a movie to put this scene in. Like, they just created a movie so that they could have that scene in it. No, I'm sure so they were thinking of... around this scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's they're, they're playing on the cliches of uh, French, you know, uh, stuff like that. But So, J.P. Mannix has the curse of looking just like the guy from Community. Yeah. Uh, um, and I like both, but I actually had to look it up to remember. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's J.P. Mannix, who I was friends with for a while on Facebook. But, what, you know, I can get to the point on Facebook. If I don't talk to you very often, I'm done. I don't need 700. I'm not a star fucker. Uh, You're also not really friends. So. No, that, that's, yeah, that's another thing. It's quotation mark, friends. Um, but I had to look just to make sure. What is the guy from Community? The one that won the Oscar for Descendants. I can never remember his name, but the, it, especially when he's covered. Did Jim Rash? Jim Rash, thank Jim you. Jim Rash, I think. So if you put J.P. Mannix in uh, makeup, it makes it even harder to tell the difference. Yes, I was like, I definitely, I was like, I know, who, I know that guy, but he had all that makeup on, and he had, you know, like, you know, not speak English, or at least he was with an accent yeah. or whatever. I, I had to like look him up for sure. But yeah, it is. He, he's done a lot of like, you know, smaller parts that are pretty funny. Now, it says that this was shot all in Czech Republic, but I'm trying to rationalize, why would you have Diedrich Bader fly all the way to the Czech Republic for, like, what could have been shot in 20 minutes? That seems really expensive. Well, it didn't say it was all shot there. It just said the majority of it was shot there. Oh, well, it says on Wikipedia that they were all shot there, but I'm going to guess that probably... um, IMDb is going to have like all the locations, but it, it, I, I'm assuming that some of this stuff was just shot like on, you know, on sets in LA, you know, just real quickly, like 
there's no reason to have Fred Armisen fly all the way to the Czech Republic for a train scene that's all self-contained. You know, they could just do a blue screen. Yeah. I, I don't it, know. This says 95% of the, it was filmed in Prague. Okay. And the entire streets were green screen just to add in Big Ben and other monuments for us. So, I don't know. It's probably the other 5%. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. Still surprised they got Matt Damon to show up in this. But, I mean... So, maybe, I think this is probably the first, the first, like, um... just starting around this time where you would have I feel like that was the first time I was totally in shock. Yeah, I I remember the movie Father's Day with Robin Williams and uh, Billy Crystal where they go into like a tattoo parlor where Mel Gibson just shows up for like one minute and you're like, what the fuck is this about? And and there was a thing like that back in the old days, like you mentioned Mad, 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 Mad World, where it was just whoever they could get, anybody they could get or whatever, and it's like the biggest cast of all time. But it, you know, that faded away because it was too expensive. But I yeah. guess he was he was in Prague at the time shooting the Brothers Grimm, and so right. I mean, I, somewhere along the way, someone must have given him the offer, or he knew somebody in the cast and said, "Hey, just go. It'll be fun. Just you know, come in for an afternoon or whatever and do this scene." It is surprising to me. Like I said, this movie didn't do very well. It only made like eighteen million dollars in America. But and, how many people know that song? Yes, that's the thing. So I went years thinking this movie was just a minor video hit or whatever. Something would die out eventually like a lot of these comedies did. And I was in the break room one day. This is in 2013. And all of a sudden, one of the guys I'm working with just starts singing Scotty Doesn't Know. And I was like, what the? What are you singing? And he told me, he goes, God, I love Eurotrip. I'm like, oh, Huh, you're the first person to ever tell me that because that stunk up the joint when it played at the theater. And then over That's the years, so funny. over the years, you would hear other people talk, like, you bring that up, but it was always Scotty doesn't know. I think there's even t shirts now that say it. I don't know, but I had told, I told my friend uh, who's about just shy of 30 that I was like, oh, I'm going to do a podcast. And he's like, oh, which movie is he going to talk about this time? Because, you know, he knows why I talk to him about it sometimes. And I was like, so I told him, and he was like, oh, yeah, is that the movie that has a song Scotty doesn't know? Oh, <laughs> wow. And I was like, that's all you know about this movie. <laughs> and, yeah, there's, there's little bits and pieces here that I really like. And I think, uh, overall, it's still not that strong of a movie. But it's the little weird pieces. And, and the weird pieces in this are way better than the little itty-bitty pieces that are in Road Trip. And, you know, it's yeah. the stuff like the David Hasselhoff playing in the corner while they're making out. And, and then, uh, like, you know, his stupid thing where he's in the, the hot tub or whatever trying to convince this idiotic... It's, 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 it's little things that just make me, crack me up. Uh, and like I said, the Fred Armisen thing I found amusing. I think one of the best parts in this is the little brother. <laughs> Meek is a common girl's name, you idiot. I don't know why his delivery oh, is fucking right. Bad. It kind of felt like, you know, reminiscent of, like, say, 
Better Off Dead or something, where yeah, yeah. it's like the younger brother is like so much smarter and aware. Yeah. Um, I love the bloopers. Uh, and, and there was a scene in there. Oh, God, I saw something. Oh, yeah, there's another Fred Armisen scene in there that's not explained, where they're clearly not on the train. It's like later in the movie, and you're like, where is this from? So you wonder how many bloopers and scenes that were cut from this. But, I, yeah. I mean, if it doesn't make the movie better, it's probably best just... I mean, we watched the unrated edition, too, so there's nothing really... The only thing that was added was nudity. Which was a curse during this time. It was always like the extreme edition or the unrated, but it'd be like right with an eight and then TED. <laughs> like that helped. Mm-hmm. The uncut edition. So there's never like director's cuts where they got to add in scenes that they thought maybe like it would help, you know, the narrative. But I don't know. It's still a fun movie and I really enjoyed it. Jake Schaefer or Jeff Schaefer, the director, I don't know who he is. The name doesn't sound familiar to me at all. Oh. Maybe it didn't look it up. No, I'm looking up right now. He was uh, he worked with Sasha Baron Cohen for a bunch of his movies, and he was a big part of Curb Your Enthusiasm around this time in Seinfeld. He created the Festivus poll. Wow. <laughs> oh, fun. You know, it's funny. As we talk about the National Lampoon, but no one ever talks about the Harvard Lampoon. I've never seen it. Is it only available on campus? They never had a magazine. They never had a movie. But it seems like so many writers from a certain era came from the Harvard Lampoon. It seems like it's very revered in the comedy world. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, I mean, Conan probably being the biggest one, but it seemed like all those guys for like, you know, 10, 15 years, like, oh, they worked on the Harvard Lampoon. I'm going to look this up later and see if you Mm -hmm. can actually read issues of it and why why so many great writers came from it. Did I? Well, no, you didn't tell me about this show, Bruce Brothers, did you? No, I think someone else did. What show? Bruce Brothers. I've never heard of that. Is that a wrestling show? No, like, it's like W-R, I mean, B-R-E-W-S, like Bruce, like Bruce. Oh, okay. I think think it's on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but somebody told me about it, and he uh, directed some episodes of it. I find it interesting that the writer of this is one of the main guys behind Silicon Valley and Barry. Oh, well, Barry is one of the best shows ever incre- ever created of all times for all of my life. <laughs> I, yeah. That's high praise. I, I, don't, I don't know how to emphasize how deeply brilliant and um, unbelievably, imaginably fucked up and genius this shit is. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I, I, feel, I almost feel sadness for people who haven't experienced it. I find it interesting that the SNL guys don't seem like they want to be movie stars anymore. Like, think about the last guy to really attempt it and like and succeed. I mean, the only one I can think of is what's the guy from uh, Andy, um, shit, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Popstar? Sandberg? Andy Sandberg. Seems like he's the last one that looked like he wanted to be a movie star. Not just got roles in, in like, you know, the way, um, you know, like, uh, oh my God. My brain is just gone today. Jason Sudeikis and um, Kristen Wiig, you know, they look like they were going to be big A-listers and be the next generation of SNL stars. Um, Mm -hmm. And they both said, well, we had our hits. Now let's go make the movies we want to make. These, you know, smaller, more personal movies. And every once in a while, they'll do a studio film just to raise their profile again so they keep making the independent movies. But it really seems like a lot of them just want to create their own thing now. Well, I mean... To be fair, I think that they're, 
whatever their thing is is way better. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, if you just, look, then, almost, yeah. almost all those SNL guys had their burst and then just started taking, they became part of the machine. They were just taking the paycheck to keep going, you know, Chevy, Eddie, uh, Mike Myers, a lot of these guys, well, Mike Myers is more, he more is handmade kind of stuff, but he's also like, he got bought into his own hype as a star. And, yes. and so I think it really like, maybe those guys saw what was happening and said, eh, let's back off a bit. Maybe Tina Fey, uh, she can still get stuff, I think, on the big screen. Maybe. It's been a while, though. I don't know. She, I think she made some people mad. <sighs> well, I think... But, you know, everything makes everyone mad, so I Yeah, don't... I was going to say. I mean, in my opinion, like, I'm happy that they're, you know, they maybe are finding different or elevated TV work. Um... I mean, for Sudeikis, like, obviously, uh, Ted Lasso, I mean, that it's it. This is, that's going to be the most celebrated, most brilliant thing he does in his career. Sorry, dude. Like, you've, you've peaked hey, right now. Well, I mean, it could be like Chris Kattan, who, you know, burst and flamed <laughs> out within just a few years. And, and then no yeah. one talks about him anymore. It happens to a lot of people, like Dana Carvey. And I mean, just, they, they, I they, think. I think you're mis- you may be misreading what I'm saying. I'm just I'm saying that it's because the show is so good. It's oh, so I see what you mean. Okay, okay. That- I'm not trying to insult the man. I'm saying he is what he's doing at this exact moment in time is so beloved and so brilliant. I don't know how he can top it. That's okay, what I'm okay. saying. Not that he's a has been at all. I actually quite like Sudeikis. Um but, uh, you know, but I think, and with Barry, my God, what a show. And, yeah. like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I mean, they're finding their, and, like, I know a lot of people haven't seen it, but it's, like, I mean, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar is, like, the funniest goddamn movie I've ever seen. Really? I even own and it, and I still haven't got around to oh seeing it. I've seen it, like, two or three times because it's just so funny and ridiculous and like but those are examples of like you know they may not I mean you know most of those examples are things that were you know they were written or created or they had some deep involvement with things other than just starring in it that you know have their you know have more of their signature voice without having to be a quote-unquote movie star. Yeah, well, what I hate about the movies is that you hear half the time, like, well, we had this script, we had to write it to their strengths. I was like, but they're not an actor then. Right. And I realized that with that, we're digressed so far from yeah, the yeah. movies that we're discussing, so we probably should stop. But, okay. hey, I never, get, I never get mad at a cameo from, like, a, you know, old, you know, previous actor on SNL. It's always appreciated and I, won't, I don't know that I'd ever be like, ew, Chris Kattam. Uh, I mean, yeah. please don't make a mango movie, but I mean... <laughs> well, apparently he I... hurt himself severely. We'll talk about this. He, he hurt... I was listening to him on the Dana Carvey, David Spade podcast where he hurt himself so bad doing all those stunts that he can they bear... They have a podcast together? Yeah, it's been going for about a year now. It's brilliant, but he oh. hurt himself so bad that he really can't act. He has to take... The uh, minute... The minute we're done, I'm going to find that. And All that right. makes me really sad how, you know, there are definitely, you know, a lot of people who sacrifice themselves, you know, their mind, their, their, their 
I don't know, their hearts, because Hollywood's such a horrible place, uh, their mental well-being, their, their bodies, and just for the hope of, you know, success and paychecks. It's really fucking sad. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the multiple reasons why, you know, Brendan Fraser really, you know, had to... I mean, he didn't ever really stop acting, but he had to take a serious step back because he deeply injured himself. Like, his body is destroyed. Yeah, yeah. For our entertainment. They're like gladiators in a way. (laughs) And they're what, did you say? They're like gladiators, like modern-day gladiators where they just injure themselves to just entertain us. They're treated like monkeys, though, you know? Yeah. Dance dance for me, dude. It's, It's just... It's just, it hurt. It makes me sad. But what, what people will sacrifice for success. Yeah. All right, so our next episode will be going back to school, and I got some ideas that we'll talk about off air because I hate I hate saying it on air and then realizing, oh, this movie sucks. Now we're stuck with it. <laughs> or I have to explain it later. All right, so you know okay. where to find us. Uh, have a good one. Duh.